Hi, welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. That is pretty cool, and that was put together by our very own, I believe, Max, you did that, right? Give it up for Max over here. So, you know, we talk about how can you serve, where you can get involved. Maybe you're a photographer, video person. You're like, is there anywhere I can serve? Am I too young to do it? Max is a junior in high school. Um, He has a talent and a gifting in that that God has given him, so he's using it for God's glory and did that video. So you never know how you can use your gifts and talents um, for him. So pretty awesome. I love seeing that. Um, So thank you, City View. Thank you for being a part. And for those of you who weren't, hey, we do it every year. So and we've got other outreach opportunities coming up. Um, We've got one at Greenway High School. Uh, I don't know. You probably got an email if you're on the um, team. Um, you, I think you got an email. I don't know. Yes, you got an email. Um, there are only like three slots, um, but we're serving dinner to all the teachers over at Greenway on the 14th. So yeah. Well, good morning. I've been up since 3.55. Um, I, not on purpose. I, God just like, I woke up. And so like, that's, I'm awake. I've been, I know some of you, you've been awake only for a little bit. Uh, I know I talked to one of my friends uh, in the lobby and they're like, whoa, you got way too much energy right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is always me. I'm always full of energy. But we're in 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, we're going to now, we dove into two verses the past two weeks. Now we're going to dive into the chapter. And today as we, as we look at 1 Peter chapter 4, this is probably some of the most radical living of the Christian life when it comes to one chapter right here. This may be one of the most important parts of this entire letter that Peter wrote of what God is doing, of what God is doing and wants to do in us and through us. The big idea of this chapter is be ready because God has called you, called us to a new normal, to a new normal, different than what the world is calling normal. The Christian normal is going to look different, sound different, act different. Everything about it is different. You will not look like everybody else. And this life that the followers of Jesus are called to will look nothing like the rest of this world. But if we want to see our families changed, our friends changed, our neighborhoods changed, our schools changed, our workplaces, our cities, our state, our country changed, then it's this way of living that Peter is calling us to in this book that we need to live. If we truly want to see change, Peter says, be ready. Be ready for this way of living. Because things are just going to get more and more uncomfortable. So you can either be caught off guard, which I hate being caught off guard. I have three boys in my home. There's always some form of of an athletic ball flying in my house. Always. And I've been hit. Sometimes in places men shouldn't be hit. So you learn to be ready because you don't want to be caught off guard. Peter is telling us, be ready because you don't want to be caught off guard. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have a plan for each person in this room today. Some, it is a plan to be ready 
to be alert, to live the life that you've called us to. Others of us, it's a plan and it's, you all want us to be ready to accept and to live a new life that you're calling us to, to, to maybe change how we've been living and to see you in a new way. Lord, I don't know where we're at on our faith journey in this room, but God, I know you have big plans for each person in here. So Lord, bless us in Jesus' name. Lord, bless the churches throughout the valley. Lord, I, I, I thank you so much. God, I, do, I thank you for um, my friend Andrew over at Cross Church. Lord, I thank you for uh, my friend Aaron over at Jesus Church. And Lord, I thank you for Jason over at Heritage and Ashley at CCB and Mark at Calvary. And God, I ask that you bless us at City View. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. My name is Jeremiah. I'm the lead pastor here at City View. And I just want to say, if this is your first time, welcome. Your first time in a long time, welcome. If this is your first time to church, sit, relax. I'm not going to make you do anything weird or out of the ordinary. But here's what we do here. We preach from God's word here. It's something we do. We worship a living God. That's 100% real. I fully believe that God has li- he lives, and I believe that his son Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death, and he rose again from the dead, and he's alive today. I believe it. That's why I'm here preaching that good news, which Peter talks about, and that's who we are as a church. But we, as Mark said, we believe and we hope that all of you at some point, or even this morning, that you feel like you can belong here. My hope, our mission is that you believe in Jesus, and our goal is that you become who God is calling you to be with the purpose of that, you, that we as a church, as we all are becoming, that we become the most thriving church in the valley. That each life in this room is thriving, not striving. Because so many of us are striving. I've talked to so many people and they're living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. They're living one hardship after another hardship after another hardship. And the reality is that's life in general, whether you believe in Jesus or not. But here's the difference. When you believe in Jesus, there's hope of a better day. When you don't, there is no hope. So we want every life to live a thriving life so that we all might live legacies. So the ripples of our life might not point to us, but point to a savior who loves you and wants what's best for you. First Peter chapter four, verse one. I'm so full of energy this morning. I've only had two cups of coffee, no Red Bull or anything. This is just natural bean. First Peter chapter four, verse one. So then... Since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physical pain for Christ, you have finished with sin. Let me give us a little background of what's happening. As as Peter is writing this letter, he's writing this letter to these Christians who have fled from the main place of Rome. They're in these surrounding areas. And the reason why they fled the main city of Rome is because this crazy man named Nero, Emperor Nero, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. You can read about him in your history books. He's a real character. He, at some point in history, around 70 AD, he lit the city of Rome on fire because he was psycho. He didn't want to, he was getting all the flack. He said, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. He blamed the Christians for it because Christians are easy to hate. They've been easy to hate from the beginning of time, and they will be easy to hate to the end of time. That is how things will be. When you make a choice to be a follower of Jesus, life is harder, but so much 
more valuable. And there's a reward worth getting at the end. It's called eternal life, not eternal hell. And so Emperor Nero, he hated everybody. He hated the Christians. And so he got them, he got everybody mad at the Christians. And so what they were doing, Nero along with everybody else, is they were persecuting the Christians. They were killing the Christians. So when Peter is talking about suffering, he's talking about literal suffering, not just having a hard day because somebody doesn't like that you're a Christian, but he's talking about the suffering that Nero was doing. Now this is just the beginning of the suffering. This isn't to the pinnacle of it. This is the beginning, and things Nero would do is he would capture Christians. He'd make them fight in gladiator fights. I'm sure some of you have seen the movie Gladiator. Many of those people who fought in that, not in that movie, but in that time were Christians. They had to fight against beasts. They had to fight against other gladiator who actually knew how to fight. That's what they had to do. So in that movie, it's just, it's just slaves, but in reality, a majority of the people who fought in those fights were Christians. Fighting to not die. Fighting because they were captured because of what they believed in. But what Nero also would do is he would take Christians, he would wrap them in animal skins, and then he would feed them to animals, or he would dip them in hot oil and wax, and he would light Christians on fire in his garden And that's how he would light his gardens at night. You say, that's not true. Just read about Emperor Nero. I don't, just read about it. It's in your history books. Well, I don't know. They change history books a lot now. They try to coddle it and make it all nice and gentle for everybody. So when Peter says suffering, they knew what he was talking about. But what's crazy is wouldn't you think that if they believed in a fake Jesus, if they believed in just a story that wasn't real, why would you be willing to risk everything for a fake story? Because you usually only risk everything if you fully believe in it. So that's verse 1. Peter is reminding the people who says, so since Christ suffered, he says, you guys, Jesus gets it. Jesus understands suffering. And then he says, so arm yourselves. Arm yourselves. That that has the idea of, of be ready for battle. Don't be a pushover. I think too many Christians are pushovers. We don't want to offend somebody because maybe what we believe is different than what they believe. We don't want to offend. I'm not saying be a jerk. I've been a jerk Christian before. I've been that person. But Peter's saying, arm yourselves. Be ready to stand up for what's right and what's true. Arm yourselves, and what's he telling to arm ourselves with? With the same attitude Jesus had. What was the attitude? I want to live my life for the will and purpose of God. That was the attitude. 
So he says, arm yourself with the same attitude as Jesus, which I, th- which I think that that's, that's the hard part for many of us is, is we're, okay, we'll arm ourselves, we'll, we'll go into battle, maybe fight for our country, and we'll do things, but the same attitude as Jesus is, God, what do you want me to do with my life? God, what is the purpose you've given me for my life? Because that's what Peter is calling them to do. He says, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude Jesus had and be ready to suffer. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Meaning, you are willing to suffer for Christ. Sin is, what that means does not mean you're not going to sin anymore, but what that means is sin is no longer your master. That's what Peter's talking about. This attitude that Jesus had, this readiness Jesus had, Jesus said to his disciples, this is what it looks like in Matthew 16, 24, which is not going to be behind me. I added it this morning sometime. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. I don't know about you, but I'm sort of done cruising. I feel more and more ready to say, okay, Jesus, what does this look like? Because the reality is, is it will get more and more uncomfortable. And Jesus, as, as we first hear, the first main point I want us to get is, Peter says, be ready to suffer. Be ready to suffer. One thing that sets this life apart is the suffering we have in it. We all suffer, don't we? What we suffer for changes. There's the suffering of everyday life, hot weather outside, health issues. But then there's the suffering for a life that is lived against the flow of everybody else. A Christian life is a radical way of living. It's countercultural. It, it, it looks different. It, it stands up for different things. It, it speaks out for, for different things. And everything that the Christian culture stands for is, being under, is under attack right now. Family is under attack. What you believe about right and wrong is under attack. What you believe about whether you're a boy or a girl is being under attack. What you believe about about where we stand for different rights and issues are under attack. A Christian life is a radical life. It's against society and it's against culture. Not against culture like you're purposefully fighting against it, but it looks different. It's a swimming against the flow. And Peter says, arm yourselves and be ready to suffer. Be ready to suffer. And then he continues. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. This verse, as I was studying this week, it really caught me. 
I, I like the New Living. I usually preach out of the NASB, but I loved how the New Living read and flowed. And as Peter is writing this, and I'm sure he's writing with passion, trying to encourage this church that's under great persecution, he, he knows personally that Peter is going to die for his faith soon. In just a few years after writing this, Peter's going to die. He's going to die upside down on a cross. So Peter's not asking them to do something he was not willing to do himself. Jesus is not asking people to do something he was not unwilling to do himself. And so as I read this, he says, you won't, spend, you won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires. And I thought, man, what am I spending my life chasing? What am I chasing with everything that I'm doing with my life? And we all chase different things. We chase money. We chase popularity. We chase going up that ladder of work status. And we're chasing things. Some of you are chasing preschoolers every day in your life because that's the stage of life you are as a parent. We're all chasing something. And Peter says, you won't spend the rest of your days chasing your own desires. When you make a choice to say, you know what, I want to be ready to live this life for God. He says, but a person who says, God, I'm ready to live for you, you will be anxious to do the will of God. And I thought about this, anxious to do the will of God. What does that look like? I remember as a kid, when it was, I was high school age, and I remember it was like summer camp time, getting ready for summer camp trying to get me to sleep the night before camp was next to impossible. My brother and I, we actually would play this game called Full Contact Scrabble. Full Contact Scrabble would mean if you... Actually, I don't know what the rules were. It just meant you punched the other person. I don't remember, like, if you punched them. If, they, if it was for spelling a word wrong, that was always me because he's a better speller than I was. All I know is my other brothers were in the room next door and they would hear when it was full contact scrabble. Typically that game was played before camp. Just because I was anxious. I couldn't wait for camp. And I think that's probably why I was up at 3.55 this morning. I was anxious and I couldn't wait to share God's word this morning. There was this anticipation about the day. And so as, as Peter is writing this, he says to them in verse um, two, he says, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. It's this attitude of, God, what is it you want for me to do? It's knowing that God has a plan each and every day for you to do something, for you to be a part of somebody's life, for you to be a part of somebody's next step. You never know when somebody might say, hey, can we talk? So I don't know how many of you know this, but I work full-time here at City View, but I also have a side job where I work for a dude and I spray houses for bugs and weeds. And so in that, I get to talk to lots of different people. Sometimes I get to pray with them as they're sharing their story or whatever it is. And I'm trying to work and I'm like, I don't have time to talk to you because I've got 12 more stops after this. But one of the guys I work with, I was sharing with him about the funeral I'm doing in a couple weeks about the young man who overdosed. And he texts me and said, hey, pastor. He calls me pastor. I'm like, dude, just, I'm Jeremiah. Like, we work together. We both spray and kill the same things. Um, <clears throat> but whatever. He said, hey, when you get a chance to talk, I, I, I need counsel on how I need help with my daughter. 
she's going down a path just like that young man. You never know. Now you're like, Jeremiah, that's because you're a pastor. I, yeah, I am a pastor. But I rarely ever introduce myself as a pastor. I'm just a guy who loves Jesus. Just like, well, some of you are ladies who love Jesus, but you know what I mean. And so people, whether you, you are a construction worker, you work in a school system, when people know you believe in a God that you really believe in, that he can change lives, people will know you are different and you stand up. And so as Peter says, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. That's that, okay, God, you wake up in the morning, whatever you do, you wake up going, okay, God, what is it you have for me today? Not, oh, I gotta go to school. Oh, I gotta go to work. It should be an attitude of, okay, God, what do you got? What is it you have for me? Because many of us, we wake up going, there's this dumb commercial on the radio, Monday what do they call it? The Monday something sad. Monday, I don't even know. It's some, stu- it, I hate the commercial. It's a Wells Fargo commercial. Monday, I don't know. But some of us, we wake up, we dread the day. What if we flip the script in our mind and we go, God, what do you have for this day? What if he said, okay, God, you're a, you're a teacher and you, many of you are going back to school, you've gone back to school or you're whatever. What if you go, okay, God, what student is there that I'm gonna encourage today? Maybe you're a student, junior high, high school, whatever age. You go, okay, God, what, what friend am I gonna be able to encourage with my life today? Maybe you're going to work, whatever that is. What, God, what, what person at my workplace am I gonna encourage today? Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you're like, okay, how, God, how can I empower my child who's two years old to love you more today? God, what is it you've called me to? That's this anxiety, that's this thought, not an anxious thing like, oh my gosh, I'm scared, but it's this anticipation knowing that God has something bigger than you could ever imagine or think every single day. And so Peter is telling his church, he says, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. Verse three, you have, and then so he says, when you've made this decision, verse one, to be ready. And you are living this way going, okay, God, what is your will for me today? He says this, you will have, you have, you will have enough in the past of, of the evil things that godless people enjoy. You've had enough. Their immorality and their lust, their feasting and their drunkenness, wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your formal friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. But remember that you will have to face God. They will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead, that is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. So Peter says, okay, many of you have made a choice to live a different life. You've made a choice to not live after the sexual things of that life. You've made a choice to not pursue those things. You've made a choice not to worship those things. You've made a choice. You said, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to suffer. I'm ready to live that life. God, I'm anxiously going to wait for what you have. He says, because you've made that choice, people see a difference in you. How many of you in this room, because some of us, we 
started following Jesus when we were like born. But some of you came to know Jesus later on in your life. I know Clayton, our, our worship, our, our youth director, he did. I don't know how many of you know his story. He was a drug, drug addicted drug dealer. Was that your like thing? That was Clayton. That's our youth director. You're like, oh my gosh. But see, God radically got a hold of his heart. Why? Because of youth ministry. And then so when he entered back into the world, people all of a sudden started seeing you're different. You're like, Jeremiah, but that's a drastic story. There's so many other stories in this room that we could pick of people who chose to follow after Jesus that the same thing matters. Because when you, Trevor right here, he came to know the Lord not long ago. I'm sure the same is about your friends. Trevor's a construction worker, drives a big old truck, and I'm sure people are used to one Trevor, and all of a sudden Trevor changes, and they go, whoa, what's up? Let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, you want to go do this? No, let me, I don't, that's not how I live anymore. You see, it's a radical way of life because the world loves to be comfortable. God calls us out of that comfort, but for a better life. And so Peter says, when you make this choice, you will be ridiculed. He said, it won't be fun. People will make fun of me. I can't tell you how many times in high school people made fun of me because I wouldn't go to their parties, I wouldn't sleep with my girlfriend, and I wouldn't do those things. I got made fun of all the time. I was called, I don't even know the names I was called. I don't remember. I didn't really care, to be completely honest. I was pretty confident in who I was. But I didn't like it. It took until my senior year of high school that I finally was like, you know what? I really don't care what you think about me. I am a believer in Christ. I do follow Jesus. I started carrying my Bible to school. I was one of those weird kids at school, at Dirty Bongwater High School down the street. Barry Goldwater. That's what it's called if you go there. But you see, there's a point in your life when you say, okay, God, I really want to live for your will. God, I'm ready to suffer. God, I'm, I'm ready to be anxious every day. That All of a sudden, people will look at your life and they'll say you're different. But they, won't, they will say you're different. They will ridicule you for a moment. But they more, the more they watch you, the more they will want what you have. Because they'll realize that there's a hope and there's a joy and there's something about your life that is attractive. And so Peter says, be ready to stand out. Be ready to stand out. And then verse seven. He says, well, actually, I want to go back into verse, those verses. Because he, he makes a point here, but remember that they will face God. Those people who ridicule you. And Peter talks about this a couple times here about judgment. Because Peter's one, he wants the Christians to know, hey, you have hope and your hope is eternal life. But anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus, he says, you will be judged by God himself. And you don't have hope. The only thing you know for sure is hell will be your destination. And some of you in here this morning, you're walking in here and your hope is not heaven. Your destination is hell and God will judge. That's, that's the farthest thing because God, it says in Timothy, God's heart is that all, people to be, that all people would be saved, that they would come to a saving knowledge of him, that they would give their lives, that they would want to live and follow Jesus. But Peter says, but there will be judgment. 
Now verse 7. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in prayer. The third thing Peter says is be ready to pray. Look at that verse 7. This, this, now, remember, this letter was written over 2,000 years ago. And Peter said the world is coming to an end soon. The end is near. If the end was near 2,000 years ago, how much closer is the end now? Could be right now. That would have sort of been cool, but the Bible says nobody can predict it, so that wasn't going to happen. But the end of the world is coming soon. So knowing that, Peter says, here's what you need to do. He says, be ready to pray. And he gives us two different things about prayer. He says, be earnest in your prayers, meaning be clear-minded sound-minded in your prayers. I'm reading this book called Hard Work right now. And it's a book about deep work. It's called Deep Work. And it's, it's not a Christian book. It's a, it's a book about having good focus in your work time. If any of you are, love that, those, it's a, I love the book. It's, it's like challenging me. But in the book, it talks about these distractions that we have in life will keep us from having good focus work. Whether it's at home or, I mean, this could apply to a homeschool mom all the way to a CEO of a business. It doesn't matter. And the book for me has been so convicting of how I waste so much time on, it's called simple things. If we want to be earnest in prayer, that means we've got to get rid of distractions so that we can have a clear mind. Too many of us, our prayer time is spent with other noise. Your phone close by, your smartwatch on, music, because you're like, but I love to, worship music helps. I don't know about you, I'm, I'm distracted by most everything. Except for when I'm preaching, I can be pretty focused. I think that's just God and probably a little ADD in me. But Peter says, number one, be ready to pray with an attitude of be earnest in prayer. Be clear-minded in your prayer. And then the other thing he says, be disciplined in it, meaning be self-controlled and sober-minded. I think for many of us, it's, it's at this point in our prayer life that we, when we, if we really were to be honest and look at our prayer time, we, we'd say, I pray, but I'm not earnest or disciplined in it. I'm more distracted with it. Peter says, be earnest in prayer. Seek God's face in prayer. Before you seek his hand, praise him. I, I, it's, so many times, how many of you have ever been to like a Bible study belong group and it comes time to prayer requests? Anybody ever do that? And all of a sudden, that's like we come out and, Dwayne, can I use your hat real quick? 
pretend this is an offering plate. And, and so many times in our belong groups, we come and this is our first response, our only way of knowing prayer. Hey, God, can I have this? Hey, anybody have prayer requests? Hey, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? And we're just seeking God to put things in, in that hat. But you see, when it's speaking of being disciplined in prayer, prayer is a conversation with the Lord. Imagine if the only time your kids came to you is when they wanted something. Now, this is the reality, though. <laughs> so knowing that's the reality, how many of you want that to be your reality with God? I went to my son yesterday, Ezra, not Judah. This would have been funny, Judah or Joel. But I said, Ezra, get off your iPad. Why? I go, because it's cuddle time with dad. <laughs> I'm just dumb, okay? I'm a dumb dad. Dads do dumb things. That's what we do. So I made him jump into my blue lazy boy chair, and he just sat there, and I just held him for a minute. I would do that with Judah or Joel, but they weren't in the room. I don't even know what they were doing at the mall or something. But it's just wanted time. But so many times, the relationship with him is, Dad, will you download this game for me? Dad, will you do this? Dad, will you do this? Peter says, be earnest, clear-minded. Seek God's face before you seek his hand. And then most important, Peter says, verse 8, most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. The next thing Peter says is be ready to love and serve. That's what we've been looking at the past couple weeks. If you missed the past two weeks at City View, we looked at the spiritual gifts and how we can best use our gifts that God has given us to serve one another. Peter says, be ready to serve. He says, as, as, we, as we choose to chase the will of God, a few things come with it. An attitude to love one another, an attitude to be hospitable towards others, and an attitude to serve each other. That's the attitude. That's what happens when we make a choice saying, God, I want to live for you. God, I want to pursue your will. Here's what that looks like. Here's the outcome. It's an outcome of loving other people. Is that behind me? It's not. I couldn't remember. It's an attitude of being willing to be hospitable. That can be hard sometimes because we're all busy, right? Inviting somebody over or inviting somebody out to coffee or inviting somebody out to lunch, being hospitable in some way. Serving others. Many of us, we don't want to serve because we're like, I don't have a lot of time. Oh, I mean, I get it. I get not having time. But I don't have a lot of time left here on earth. I'm not planning on dying soon, but I sure am planning on living every single day. And so I don't want to waste my time here. Does that mean I can't sit on my couch and watch TV occasionally? No, I did. We enjoyed watching Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure last night. Memory of his life, as weird as it was. 
I enjoyed pauses. But I also love times of serving and seeing what God can do in and through me and others. Loving one another, that can be tough because some people are not that lovable. God didn't say love the easy ones. He said love one another. Because you know what? You are not easy for somebody else to love. Somebody this morning got up and said, okay, God, you said love one another, so help me love one another today. God, that means my kid who's going to wake up in 15 minutes and they're mean every morning. Help me love them. God, that means my roommate. God, that means my coworker I have to go and see. That means that person and somebody else is praying the same thing about you. Love one another. As Peter continues, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeals, the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be glad. Be glad. He says, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, it's, it's for his praise. But he makes one point. He says, but if you're insulted because you're stupid, don't do that. I've done things in the name of God I should never have done. Cultures and the crusade, I mean, the crusades were things done in the name of God that should never have been done. We, we write and say things in the name of God that should never be done. So Peter says, don't, don't do things that you know God would never do. He says, but there will be times when you are insulted and you are bearing the name of Christ. He says, you will be blessed for it. He says, dear friends, don't, don't be surprised by the fiery trials. Now here's the reality with fire. Some of you, your lives are built out of hay, straw, and stubble. Some of you, God is building your life and your life is gold and diamonds. When fire impacts gold, it refines it. When fire impacts diamonds, it hardens and makes them more beautiful. When fire hits hay, straw, and stubble, it obliterates it. Which is your life? Peter says the fiery trials are going to come no matter what. Either God is refining you like gold or he's going to burn it all away like chaff. He says, but may it be for the praise of God, for the privilege of being called by his name. The reality is suffering is coming and suffering is here. Uh a couple summers ago, we took my kids, Judah and Joel and Ezra we, and Laramie, we went to India on a mission trip. And Laramie and I were speaking to a group of pastors and their wives who are persecuted. Persecuted means people are attacking them for their faith. Some of the stories we heard are pastors who were beat, shot at, houses burned down for preaching Jesus, not preaching hate preaching hope in Jesus, preaching a God that says you can be forgiven and you don't need to do anything else for it because he did it all. There was one woman that she 
fully believes in God and they shaved her. And in the, the Indian culture, to, a woman to have her head shaved was a, a disgrace. They, they shaved her head, they beat her, and they forced her to eat poop. There's pastors, I've gone twice, there's pastors that were there the first time and the second time they were dead because they died for their faith. Currently, right now in India, my pastor friend Jay, who lives there, there there are pastors in villages in India that are being persecuted and killed and their government is doing nothing about it. So you say, Jeremiah, this was back then. No, it's happening right now. Now, what does persecution, what does suffering look like for you? Well, here in America, it looks like attacking our values attacking our beliefs. And what happens is, for us, what happens is we are called judgmental, not loving, not accepting, closed-minded, homophobic, bigots and hateful, right? That's, that's what persecution looks like right now for us, but it's only gonna get more difficult. And Peter says, but live it to the praise of his glory. And Peter closes with this, for the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, What terrible fate awaits those who never obey God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to God who created you for the will of him. For God who created you for, I'm sorry, who created you for he will never fail you. He says judgment is coming. For those who believe in God, God will look at our lives and the things that we have done for his glory, God will say thank you. But the things we did for our own will, they will be burned away and gotten rid of. But then he says, but for those who never choose to follow God or listen to the good news that Jesus came, that he died on a cross to forgive us of our sins, to give us new life, he says, for you, the judgment is hell. So why live this life? Why be ready? Why be ready to suffer? Why be ready to stand? Why be ready to live this life? Why be ready to pray? Well, Peter said, one, because Jesus suffered too. He gets it. Why? Because pursuing God's will is the only way to have hope. Why? Because God's given you gifts to keep going. Why? Why live this life? Because God so wants to speak and serve through you. There's things he wants to do through you that only you can do because he's specially gifted and talented you for those things. And he wants to do them through you and he's just waiting for you to give him that opportunity. Why? Because God has called you by name. And I think the best one, the most important, the biggest why, how can we get through each and every day? It's because Peter says here at the end, because God will never 
leave you. He'll never abandon you. Maybe you've been abandoned in life. Maybe you've had friends forget about you. Maybe you've been not invited to a party. Maybe you've had friends where they were your friends one year and you go back to school and they're not your friends. Maybe you've had people, loved ones, pass away and you feel like they've left you. Maybe parents have gotten divorced. Maybe some of you have adopted children that were literally abandoned from their families. Maybe you had parents who just got up and left you one day. But I'm sure at some point we've all felt that abandonment in life. And Peter says something that is reiterated all throughout Scripture. That Jesus, God, will never fail you. One of the first times it's mentioned is in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. As God is speaking to Moses, he says, Moses, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or tremble. For the Lord, your God, is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you. God does not know how to fail his kids. I've let my kids down plenty of times. I've had to say I'm sorry. I don't even know how many times I've told my kids I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys keep a tally. Do you, Jude or Joel? You do? Good. I'm going to let you down later on today. But it says he will never fail you. He will not forsake you. Then God reiterates that promise to Joshua. He says, have I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. This same attitude God is calling us today says, we can't stop. We won't stop living this life that God has called us to. He says, you Christians, all of you in this room, be strong, be courageous. We can't stop. We won't stop. The good news, the message of Jesus Christ must be preached. The hope for the world lies in that one message that Jesus really did live, that he really did die, and that he really did rise from the dead. That's the good news. And so Joshua is told this by God, so don't tremble or be dismayed when life gets hard. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then again, this promise is reiterated in Isaiah. Do not fear, for I am with you. Don't be anxious or look about you, for I am your God. Throughout Scripture, this message of God saying, I will not leave you. And Jesus says to his disciples, though I go, I am sending my Holy Spirit to be your helper because I keep my promises. I will never fail you. Life will get harder. I'm gonna make you that promise. Just because you choose to follow Jesus doesn't mean life gets easier. If you're in high school and you choose to follow Jesus, and you choose to be different, your life will be difficult. People will think you're weird, and they more than likely will make fun of you. And you will have to make a choice whether you're really gonna stand up for your values or whether you're gonna go with the flow. The flow is so much easier, but it's so much cooler to go against it. But you choose. Will you chase Jesus or not? Will you be ready to live for him? Because as Peter says, God won't fail you. He's there. So be ready to do what he's called you to do. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you. Thank you that you desire to use each and every one of us in this room today. God, I know that there's some of us in this room that you have a plan to do something crazy and awesome through. And God, I ask right now, there's some of us in here that you're calling to take a step of faith and to believe in you, that you really did live, that you really did die, and that you really did rise from the dead. So God, if that's a choice that somebody is making today, God, I ask that you would work in their hearts now. Break those walls that are there. Lord, some of us in this room today have have been just coasting in life, but I think you're calling us to get off the, the main roads and to start living a life that looks different than everybody else. So Lord, I pray that we would be ready that we would be ready to to suffer, that we would be ready to stand up, that we'd be ready to pray. Because you will never leave us nor forsake us. For those of you in this room today that God is tugging on your heart saying you've been believing things that, that you know are pulling you down, but I wanna give you hope for each and every day For those of you in this room today that you know God is saying, hey, I have a better life for you than the life you're living now. If that's you in this room, I I, want to invite you on a journey with me. It's the craziest adventure you will ever be on. It will be uncomfortable. People won't like it. You will probably be made fun of. There's a good chance people will be uncomfortable being around you. But let me tell you the good things. You have hope. You have hope through each and every trial and each of every heartache. You have hope that there's gonna be a better day. You have hope that there is a Jesus who loves you, who cares for you, who will never abandon you, who will always be there for you. You have a better hope than you can ever imagine or think. And if you wanna make a choice to join me and many others in this room on this crazy adventure called faith, I ask that you pray with me. Say, dear God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I don't know what this looks like, but what I do know is I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. So God, I ask that you'd forgive me. I ask that you'd set me free of my guilt and shame. And God, I ask that you would help me to live for you now. In Jesus' name. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click that follow button and tune in next week for another great message.